What is happening, guys? Welcome to the show. This is Creating Space. I'm your host, Wes Knight, former professional soccer player turned mindset coach and motivational speaker. On this episode, number 11, I bring to you Of Good Nature's lead singer, Cameron Brown. Cam's going to talk to us a little bit about what it's like to follow your passion and remove things that no longer serve you in pursuit of your journey, as well as what happens when your music starts to take off and all of a sudden the expectations rise. So we're going to talk a little bit about this journey, a lot about Cam's life, and you're going to enjoy every minute of it. So episode number 11, I bring to you Mr. Cameron Brown. Cameron Brown, what is happening, my dude? What's up, man? How you doing? Of good nature. That is the name. Tell me a little bit about the name. How did you get the name of Good Nature? The name of Good Nature. It's weird because I didn't personally come up with it. It was like the two, Joey and Chris, an old bass player at the time, which is weird because I like, I don't know if you're the same way as a creative person, but I always like want to come up with the thing, you know, I don't want to like share the thing, but (laughs) I like the name. So um, it took a while to fall into it, but I think it's cool because it spreads positivity. It has a natural aspect too, which I think our music has. We're all natural dudes, nature dudes, outdoorsy kind of stuff. So I don't know. It had a bunch of different meetings that we I like it. So was it kind of a think tank session when you guys are jamming a little bit? And what should we name this, man? Yeah, I I think there was like three days where all we did was write down band names. And Uh. that was sort of becoming like good natured good nature boys, good nature band. And it was like of good nature. All right. Boom. And everyone knew at the same time. It was like a yeah, collective agreement. Quickly, yeah. I like it, man. Of Good Nature has a good feel. It matches the vibe. You guys have got a lot of comparison. Your music, which is indie rock slash reggae, mm-hmm. right? When I was doing a little bit of the research, I noticed you guys get the Dave Matthews Band, 311 comparison. I listen to a lot of Soja and Revolution. Love Soja. I get that feel. I get that vibe. Mm-hmm. Message of positivity. Mm-hmm. What do you feel like your sound is similar to, or do you feel you've got your own genre? Um, I feel like it's something that just continues to progress as we've added new members in the band recently. We were, we're doing different types of shows. We're playing with other different bands, like bigger bands. We're being around cool bands like Revolution and stuff like that. So they definitely bring on some stuff. But from the beginning, it was definitely positive music, you know, love songs always. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> I, I never want to like that's something when I go to write a song, I never want to like only write love songs or relationship songs or like that cheesy stuff but, right so i you know if it can be political and or make a positive change in some way i try to do that i like it man and it, it, there's always an intent behind each song which most songs are but your intent first is positivity but there's always a subset of an idea behind it but you never Com- want to force it no 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 you, you never can't want to force, force it. the idea as a creative mind you got to allow that to you got to get to a place where you can channel it and then mm-hmm. i'm sure just as i paint it comes to me and i'm sure as you mm-hmm. create a song it comes to you a couple songs that i like easy way out where did you go mm-hmm. the one mm-hmm. all pretty similar in their message right mm-hmm. great vibes though man great vibes tell me this cam when in your life did you realize you were a musician did you pick up that guitar first or how did that happen um, well there was always music in the house in the family um my great-grandmother played organ in church my grandmother played piano piano was in the house a little stand-up piano at my grandma's house that I always go mess with I remember being pretty young and figuring out like someone taught me what a C major was which is like you can hit like all the white keys on the piano so (laughs) I figured out I was like oh I could like play something I was probably like six or eight or something like that and then in teenage years I think some buddies in the neighborhood just got like there was always like a drum set bass guitar guitar and we'd all just trade around and jam 
I started on drums, I think, actually, first. Whoa. And then guitar. Those are massively different instruments. Yeah. Was it all, are you tired of all the noise of banging on the drum? You wanted something uh, smoother? I don't like setting all those things up. Just, <laughs> <laughs> the acoustic guitar is so easy. You just, you know, it's right there. Yeah, you brought it in today, and I've noticed you, all you have to do is lug it around, open yeah. it up, and there it Tune is. Tune it a little bit, but you don't even need that. That's just. To be honest, I thought that was a light in case it was <laughs> dark. <laughs> a little book light? Yeah, a little book light. That's <laughs> awesome, man. So you realized that you were good, you were gifted, it came pretty easily. Mm-hmm. Is that how you knew? Yeah, I think so. And just like listening back to songs, listening to songs on the radio at a young age, I always, my grandma used to always say, you keep the beat, you got the beat. <laughs> I don't know. I always liked music. So that, it was that's excellent. easy for me to do. So you were, I assume you were in the band growing up in high school and whatnot? Or no, did you? I did not. For some reason, I stayed away from that. I did, I think I did chorus in like fifth grade or like sixth grade or something, but it wasn't like I didn't take any of it seriously, right. which is dumb. I should have. I could have been way better now if I started. So do you know how to read music? No, not really. I can read. Recently I had to do something for a wedding, and I read some charts and stuff, which I can I can do it, but it's, yeah, I can't. Like I wouldn't be able to transcribe my music onto right. sheets or anything like right. that. Right. I feel like right brain thinkers cannot be confined into a box, mm-hmm. right? And I feel it's very linear to mm-hmm. be able to read something and play it. You have to be able to step outside of mm-hmm. of whatever it is that you're playing and be able to put your own spin to it. Mm-hmm. So I find, and I think it's well documented, that a lot of great musicians do not know how to read and transcribe music. Much. Mine's just a bunch of weird typing stuff on MacBook Notes. Usually it's my yeah. songwriting. Okay. So you do it on your computer. You don't write it, write Sometimes, it down. Sometimes it just depends on what I'm feeling. I kept losing all these notebooks. That's why I kept going to the, the computer. Right. Because I'd have like so many little pads and notebooks with like just stanzas or like a couple lines written around and I'd lose it and then have to rewrite it. So I try to just keep it all in there and then I can email it to myself and then pick it up on my phone or it's so voice easy memos on the phone. Yeah, so yeah. I'm always the uh, garage band, like you said. Right. I try to do that. Tell me how the musical side has immersed with the positive side. Have you always been a positive cat? I think I'd like to think so. Well, I mean, it's always something I always strive for to be positive. Maybe personally, even now, I'm not always positive, but I'm trying to overcome some things and make it positive, make it progressive, make it not negative. Sure. That's, that's always the plan. Putting a spin on it to, to be able to benefit you one mm-hmm. way or the other. Um, it's not always easy to be positive or to feel like you're in motion going forward because everyone gets down and depressed, but that's the times where it's kind of cool to maybe write a song or paint a painting or go for a walk and think about some stuff okay and get it together i like that so was there a moment in your life where you were down where you were depressed and then you decided okay music is my outlet to be able to feel better to get what's on that's me. like twice a week bro <laughs> <laughs> yeah i know that it is a tall task at remaining positive in your mindset mm-hmm. it's a choice right mm-hmm. so tell me can you think back to a time where you realized that music was your outlet you were really good at it, and maybe you had a future in it. I don't know if there was even like a specific time where I was like, now we have to do it. Like like I said, I was kind of like just hanging around the house, playing in the neighborhood, and then it just, I started playing guitar in bars and stuff like that, and then it just kind of kept going and kept going. It was never like I was, I didn't feel too good, so I want to go out and play. Right. If, I, if ever I don't feel good, I actually want to stay inside and write or play by myself kind of usually. So then you started making good tunes, and, and all of a sudden people were listening they were to good. you? I didn't, I didn't think they were good, but then everyone else said they were, so I kept going. So you're performing first for an audience of one, for yep. just yourself. Yeah. Well, I think I had a girlfriend when I was like 16. I wrote her a song, 
And that was probably the first time I actually ever sang in front of anyone. And it was so terrifying. Even just that one person. Now I can play in front of a thousand people. I don't. I, I like the more people now. Yeah. Can you give me a verse or a bar from that song? Oh, dude, what you sent to it? Uh, Do you remember it? <laughs> dude, that's the. I wish it was in my MacBook Notes. It's probably in the trash somewhere on some right. piece of paper, which is. Uh, yeah. Well, sixteen years old, man. That's ages two or three lifetimes ago, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. It's a decade ago, literally. Really. For me. Twenty-six years old, chasing your dream. Got a passion of music. You're 16 now. You've just sang to your girlfriend at the time. <laughs> yeah. Just gotten over the the illusion, Cam, the illusion of fear, mm-hmm. the illusion of doubt. Well, mm-hmm. doubt is real. Doubt and fear to me are in the same box. Mm-hmm. What did it take in that moment to be able to perform that song for that girl that maybe gave you the push every other time? Maybe mm-hmm. you had to now perform in front of a small group, in front of a bar, and so on and so forth. I think it took me a couple of times. I think I planned to like perform the song for her like for weeks, and I just wouldn't do it. Like it, we'd go in my room, and I'd have the guitar like sitting over there, and I was planning on doing it, and I didn't do it. But then I was like, "All right, you got to do it, dude. Do it." So I just did it, and I felt so much better. Mm. You know, got it out. Someone heard the song. The person I wrote the song for heard the song. I performed the song. It, it felt good. So then I always knew that it's kind of like right. Like I remember this riding a roller coaster too. Like I did not want to do it. Right. Did not. I don't even know why. When I was like twelve, I was like, dude, I do not like Thunder Road. Oh my god, the late great Thunder Road. No more. They sure they tore it down. They tore that one down, didn't they? Sad day. But at the end of it, just the feeling of it of you know accomplishment or Ooh. whatever it is. So at that point, what you realized was that the feeling beyond fear, the feeling mm-hmm. beyond doubt was worth far more than being held underneath mm-hmm. and not making the decision. Yeah, I was always, always a lot of fear in performing, especially at the beginning, or nervousness and an- anxiousness. But I knew, that, I knew that's what I wanted to do, so I had to get through that fear. It took probably a couple of years to be fully, and I'm still not fully comfortable, but right. to be fully confident and comfortable on stage. So a lot of people will not even begin a task, not even begin to pursue their passion because mm-hmm. they convince themselves that they can't do it, yeah, that it's, it's too very much. easy to convince yourself not to it do it. It is something. very easy, right? And a lot of times people are looking way too far ahead in the future mm-hmm. and are afraid of taking the step thinking they need to get to the future immediately and they don't even allow themselves to begin to start a process of momentum. Mm. So where did you get the specific momentum, and at what time did you realize, okay, I'm good, but I need a band. Mm-hmm. I need a band, and how do I find a band? Tell me, Walk me through the process of putting together a band. Well, it was a very little steps along the way, actually. Um, so I was playing like solo acoustic around Charlotte um, with a band called Simplified, awesome dudes but they used to have um chris and clee they used to have this acoustic duo thing in south charlotte i was like 19 or 18 i think and would go up there and just i'd watch them every like all the time and hang out with them right then they found out like i played and wrote songs and sang they're like dude well you're you know you got to get up here on our breaks you know we got to fill some time do you want you to go there and help us out and i was like i don't know i don't want to <laughs> fear that fear yeah the yep. fear and doubt and um, they knew that stage because they were, you know, sure. scared to perform at some point in their lives. And sure. They knew I just needed to be pushed. So they, Chris Sheridan and Clee Lasser definitely pushed me to get out and perform. I speak all the time about the importance of mentors, the mm-hmm. importance of coaches, people that are going to push you out of your comfort zone and make sure you hold yourself accountable. Those are your first two oh, yeah. mentors. Oh, yeah. Still, still, I talked to Sheridan 
once a week still. I love that. So you stay in constant contact. Mm-hmm. I think that's great because you have to have someone holding you accountable at all times in life, mm-hmm. right? Whether that's a spouse, whether that's a best friend or even a colleague or band member. So you've gotten the opportunity to perform with another band. Who's the first person that joined you on Journey? Jojo Vachon. Okay. Joey. Joey? Yep. Um, so while I was doing those solo acoustic things on simplified breaks and stuff like that, he would just roll around the neighborhood <laughs> with his djembe. It was like a hand drum, you know, and he just, I don't know, he just started coming up and jamming with them and then with me. And then next thing you know, we're going to all these house parties in high school and playing, you know, just for people or for beer or whatever. Right. And then then we realized we could start getting paid for it. And we were kind of going to these places that simplified. Uh, Chris and Clee were already playing at and be like, yo, how do we get hired here? We want to make, you know, a couple hundred bucks on a weekend. Sure. So we got some covers together. I had a few originals at that time. I probably had like 10. I just didn't tell anybody. I was doubtful or scared to show them. So, yeah, I just kept building up from there. It started, you know, acoustic, and then acoustic with the djembe, Joey involved, and we were just playing little bar gigs and stuff like that right. around Charlotte and, and Charleston, too. Right, and so that began to form. You mentioned Charleston. Mm-hmm. I did a little bit of my research, yeah. right, and I see there was a time in your life where maybe you figured, hey, I don't know if music's going to work. I need Society tells me I need to get a job, mm-hmm. and I need to um, get an education and a certain skill set, and I need to follow that. Mm-hmm. My passion is not bringing me money. So it doesn't make dollars. It doesn't make sense, right, mm-hmm. Cam? So after high school, you decided to go to culinary school. Is that right? Yep. Johnson Wells here in Charlotte. So you signed into Johnson & Wells. You were going to be a chef. Mm-hmm. Well, I was already cooking at a restaurant in Charlotte. Started in the kitchen and a dishwasher when I was 16. And I loved it. I loved the environment. I loved listening to music. Everybody was like kind of musicians. We all shared music during prep and stuff like that. Listening okay. to music. That's so it wasn't like, like dishwasher too. You can, it wasn't like you put music to the side and no, put down. I never, I don't think I ever put anything to the side. It all kind of like was going up together. Oh, okay. And it kind of used itself because then I went, I cooked in Charlotte, went to Johnston Wales, and then went moved to Charleston, worked at High Cotton, a restaurant down there. And so that brought me to Charleston. And then I was like a few months into living in Charleston, I started picking up acoustic gigs down there. Okay. So that would have never happened if without What's the culinary. first restaurant bar that you performed in, in, Charleston, in Charleston? I know we used to do Chucktown Tavern, which is no longer there. And that was ridiculous. Yeah, of course. That was a wild one. I don't think anyone there was of age half the time. There's a place called Molly Darcy's on East Bay, which I think is still there. A little Irish place. They they hooked us up. We played a, a St. Paddy's Day party one time in front of like, you know, 400 people. It was like the crazy. That's when we knew. We were like, yes, this is what we're doing. We got to do it. We made like 600 bucks. We can do this forever, man. <laughs> 600 bucks at that age yeah, is a lot of money. Nice. For playing um, guitar. I was like, whoa. So here's the next question that I want to lead to. I've always wondered what it's like as a DJ, as an artist, to be standing in front of a bunch of individuals who are feeling your music, man. They're loving what you're putting out and mm-hmm. what that feels like to have that reverberation of energy, positive energy from you into the crowd and back mm-hmm. and what that's like. Mm-hmm. But uh, first, we got we to gotta close it out here. Do you have a song for these guys? Maybe a, maybe a couple verses for, for the Facebook Live fans. Yeah. Awesome. Do awesome. Let's do it.
When I wake up and I see you laying there A girl I swear A girl I swear I start thinking but I'm thinking and believing Baby you don't compare You don't compare I guess I swear No Cause you make me everything that I wanna be I lose myself and you gotta leave Baby can't you see you're all I need But I found to be with you and it's all your fault oh, Baby, can't you see all oh, no, I need? You're the one for me You're performing Cam in Charleston mm-hmm. uh, or in any of the bars and places, period. So you're performing, and what is that like to be able to stand in front of a crowd, doesn't matter the size, and they're feeling your music, man. They're loving what you're giving. They're totally caught in the moment, and that reverberation of energy and love and appreciation, you're loving what they're giving you, they're loving what you're giving them. What's that like? It's pretty amazing. And it took a while to get, and I'm, I think we're just now, I'm personally just now getting to the point, like I said, where it's, you're totally comfortable and confident up there, and then that really starts coming. I mean, it's an awesome feeling, and it has been forever, but it's becoming more and more awesome as I get more comfortable and, and right. confident, and, and also the crowds get bigger, too, so, I mean. Do you feel, as the lead singer, that your band is only as comfortable as you are? So if they know you're feeling good and you're on tone or anything like that, do you feel any sort of pressure to be able to deliver every time for your band? Yeah, and I like the pressure. I've always liked being in that position and being relied on and stuff like that, especially in in music. It's something I can rely on myself for because I know I'm good at that. Right. If one of us gets off, we can definitely feel it, so therefore... But there's been times where we get off stage, we're like, oh, that was a terrible set. Like, or we didn't, we wanted to work on this, or we heard that. And then people come up and they're like, dude, that was amazing. <laughs> and we're like, oh, yeah. Which kind of sucks, though, because then you gotta, you don't want to throw your own critiques out the window just because someone else said it was good. Right. So we try to stay on top of recording and our sets and going back and notes and stuff like that. So what I'm noticing is that there's this feeling, and I remember it all too well as a player playing in front of, 25, 30,000 people, right? Mm-hmm. There's that feeling, that that natural high that you get in the mm-hmm. performance, right? But on the side, man, you're in Charleston and you're there to work, right? Mm-hmm. You're working as a chef. Mm-hmm. What is that like to have a passion that is just kicking off and also a pragmatic job mm-hmm. that is very steady and reliable, mm-hmm. nine to five maybe? What is that like having to manage both of them? Hard at that time. Mainly because a kitchen job, at least I was running the night shift or, you know, the dinner shift. So we wouldn't be getting out of the kitchen until 
you know, midnight on weeknights and two in the morning on, yeah. on weekends most of the time if it was busy and stuff like that. So there was really no time for it. Like I had to like beg my chef or who, whoever it was to get off certain days, you know, stuff like that. So I think I had a Thursday night gig. The kitchen definitely helped me out. And they're like, all right, we'll just give you Thursday off. Okay. So you can have your Thursday gig. So they were willing to work in yeah, conjunction they with, with me for sure. So they must have loved your music too. Yeah, everybody was really cool. They all were supportive. Awesome people down there. And now they're all spread out, so it's kind of cool. We get to travel all over the country now for the yeah. most part. And all these people are kind of st- staggered all over, too, that I've met through, I mean, really through life, period, but in Charleston. Because a lot of those chefs moved from Austin, Texas, or New Jersey, or Philadelphia and stuff, and now they're all back out all over the place. So okay. we get to run them in different places. It's so nice to be able to have expansive people in, in places and be able to and rely Facebook on. helps out with that. I <laughs> right? would have never, you know, kept in, I mean, I would love to keep in touch with all these people, but you wouldn't even know where they would be without Facebook. A lot right. Of and the more you announce it, the more you can tell where they are and mm-hmm. if they're close and if they're calm. But I want to stick here with that pivot, man, mm-hmm. because that is so interesting to me, partly because I have a bit of it in my life right mm-hmm. now. So you've got both and you're managing both and they're supporting you. But at some point you have to feel that the momentum in one is going to supersede the momentum of the other. Mm-hmm. Tell me about what that process was like. I definitely remember one conversation with my chef, where he was picking up that the music was taking over the culinary. And he was just kind of like, he wasn't saying like, I need to do this or I need to do that. He's like, I can just tell where your mind is now. And I remember thinking to myself, leaving that, the kitchen, I was kind of like, well, this is now my decision. If I want to keep going in this mindset of leaving this you know, this culinary world behind, not behind forever, but for right now, that's what I was thinking. And to go with music. And I remember that night I went home and I was like, I'm doing music. Like, I, I need to figure out how to get out of here so I can go full time with the music. Okay. So you just made the decision. I think you just yeah. went home. I know that, that conversation that night, I remember just sitting there thinking and I was like, because I felt bad because he was relying on me, you know, in my position in the kitchen. And I wasn't giving my all right. for that, which I don't like. I don't like the half-ass, as they say. <laughs> so, yeah. So did you walk in the next day and say, hey, guys, thanks. No, I wasn't the next day. I couldn't do that. So it was like a, probably a couple months. Okay. Of, of me. And I kept getting promoted, or not you know, promoted salary-wise, but promoted in position-wise. Sure. So I had more and more responsibility. And it, and it was taking was, away time and resources from mm-hmm. what you really wanted to do. Mm-hmm. So then you decided after two or three months... Yeah, I was like, I, I think we had a, well, we also, our schedule of Good Nature's schedule was starting to get some dates, out-of-town dates, not just in Charleston, too, so there's no way I could really be asking off for all this stuff, so right. I think there was a specific show, I think it was like a New Year's show in Charlotte at Amos's or something, and that was kind of the one where I was like, all right, I, I need to be out of the kitchen by this point. Yeah. You know, I got like, so it was, I got like four months to be out of the kitchen because at this point I want to be full-time music. So Love it. It was a, a longer process than wanted, but. So you gave yourself I a I had day. to do it the right way. I didn't want to leave anybody behind in that world too. I like it. I like it. You, you were mindful that you didn't want to burn any bridges. And that's very important. And what I like most is that you took your time. It's not like all of a sudden you went and said, hey, next day, man, I'm out mm-hmm. without any plan. You gave yourself some time to develop a plan and make it reasonable, mm-hmm. but you knew it's what you wanted to do all along. And that's terrifying. This is what puts food on my table and all these other things. I need rent. I need a house over my head, mm-hmm. right? 
but that's what creating space is. Mm-hmm. In order to create space for music to fill a bigger void, you had to move other things out of your life to create the void for it to fill. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's how you create a space. Tell me the biggest influence in your life for creating space for music. Mm. I mean, I would have to go with Simplified or, or Chris Sheridan and Clue Laster, the two guys that, you know, just pushed me sure. when I needed it. Because I probably wouldn't have. Because I'm pretty shy by nature, or, or was at least at that time. So I would have easily just left those songs in my bedroom yeah, and on the notebook and never played them, probably. Right. Or at least not to this extent now. Those are the motivators behind it. Sure. Creating space. So sure. they created space for music. And music created space for a brand new lifestyle. And I've read some journals, some mm-hmm. documentaries I've watched. Music can be a lifestyle filled with drugs, sex, women, temptation. Mm-hmm. Right? On the road, man, you're out and you're not a bad looking guy. You know, you're probably enjoying yourself and there's probably women throwing themselves at you. How do you manage that? Because that's a rocky road if you allow yourself to go into the parties that follow. Yeah. And all. Did, did you get into that? Uh, yeah. I mean, we didn't do the road too hard for a while. We didn't do like crazy tours or anything, but we would do these runs and like weekends and be in Charleston for a weekend and do that. But I definitely struggled with alcohol for a minute. And I didn't even realize it for a while. I was just young and didn't. Everyone else was doing it. Sure. I didn't realize why I felt, you know, so shitty or whatever. It was alcohol was totally bring me down for a long time and it took me a while to realize that okay so now i'm a year and like a year and a month or a year and two months without alcohol that's incredible so i've created a whole new space with this thing it's a whole different world now i'm like really going like i feel better than ever stronger than ever isn't that so cool that when you decide to follow your passion and you elevate your standards for yourself so you decide Mm -hmm. okay i'm going with this passion and you put yourself into it Then you started to realize over time that, okay, some of the habits I'm doing are not making me my best for my passion, which Mm -hmm. is my most important priority. What was the aha moment where you realized, whoa, this alcohol is not healthy for me and I got to stop ASAP? I mean, there was multiple times throughout a couple of years before I stopped where it was just like, this is way too much. Yeah. I can't be doing this. Just like the worst hangovers I've ever even imagined like, not even just, like, being a, a little girl or anything, but it was just, like, withdrawals and stuff like that. It was really scary stuff, so. And that just becomes, that just came along with, like, if you're out every night at a bar and you drink, sure, you're going to drink every night. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. And it's not, I, and I'm not one to have a couple Bud Lights or anything. I like to have, I like to have fun. Indulge. Yeah. So as an athlete, we didn't drink every night, mm-hmm. right? Um, we had to be primed for Saturday. Yeah. But when Saturday finished <laughs> and when or loss or draw, mm-hmm. next stage was drinking. And mm-hmm. that atmosphere as an athlete is just as hard as you compete on the field, man, you're going in that lifestyle afterwards. Yeah. And what I realized is when I left the game, I didn't leave that part of the game. So when I would go out, albeit maybe one or two nights a week, maybe two, one mostly, man, I'm going. I'm going for Mm -hmm. it, right? And I had to come to the realization, albeit it's probably been within the last two months, that I've really had the courage to step away from it Mm -hmm. and realize how bad my hangovers were and how much it was taking away and redirecting me from creating space and those things. So I applaud you for that, man. A year and a half. I applaud you. Two months. That's good. Yeah, man. man, Two months is... That's the hardest part. It is the hardest part. It is not easy. And I I applaud anyone. After six months, you're... 
you're pretty good. You're, it's pretty easy. You know, the biggest part for me is being able to get into a, a social situation because let's be honest, in the United States, drinking is part of the culture, oh, yeah. right? And it's not drinking casually, it's excess. So now it's being okay with being like, I'm good, man. I don't need to drink to have a beer. Actually, I got a smoothie right here and I'm mm. feeling great. Smoothies and I'm probably going to wake up I'm early and get a workout in. smoothies the past year. Yeah. I'm all about some smoothies. Okay, so your life is turning into a full musician. Did you ever believe or see yourself in your band number five in the reggae top charts in iTunes? I never saw that. And I still don't even like to see that. I mean, like a lot of the stuff, it's kind of like, I'm just going with it. I don't know what half the stuff means. Like, I don't know. If, I mean, that's a good. That's a good thing that sure. happened. But I don't, I mean, it's not like we saw a crazy amount of money out of that or anything. And it's so that's just another you know cool thing that happened to us. And we're gonna keep trying to create new cool things happening for us. That's a progression. That's the hardest part about being in your own business or your own thing. It's cool to get you know one good gig and chill. Sure. I think you made it. Right. But, you know, what are you doing next weekend? What are you doing the next day? What's going on? you got to keep the schedule stacked up, especially if you're booking yourselves. It's never ending. That's interesting. What's the modality that you find to be able to stay motivated to get gigs and continue to push your message of positivity? Mm, well, I mean, it was definitely a game changer when alcohol was cut out because that was really easy for me to just kind of sit in the, the fear of not succeeding or the fear of, I don't know, not you know, it was okay to not do what I wanted to do when I was drunk or hungover for some right. reason to me. It was cool to be depressed or like, not cool, but it was like, it didn't, it felt right. I don't know. Sure. So to get that out was a whole different thing. Now it's all just looking way ahead. I'm, I mean, I'm every day I'm looking at my Google calendar and like, what's, why isn't, you know, what's going on this week? We need sure. to fill this week. We need to sure. do something. So. So you manage as well as the lead singer. You don't have any representation. You no, are self-managed. Joey and I, the founding member, manage the band. Um, I do a lot of the out-of-town booking, and he does a lot of the you know private corporate booking and stuff sure. like that. So we we split up our stuff between the whole, you know throughout the whole band. We split up a lot of jobs. Awesome. As you continue to manage this band, and you're the sail to the ship, right? You got to direct it and push it in the direction. What's your biggest mistake from a managerial standpoint? Something that you felt like hurt the band maybe a little bit, or Mm. tarnished it for a blip on the radar? One thing I struggle with as a leader is getting my point across. It's very easy for me to to not say anything or say what I'm thinking or kind of just go with it or I'll just like think about something and kind of slightly mention it. Sure. But I didn't get my point across, so they would never know that they did, you know, I would like them to do something different. But in my head, I already told them. So I'm like, why are they doing this, man? Like, we should have got that done. They didn't even do it. And they're like, what? Get what? I don't even know about that. What are you yeah. talking about? So just being in my own head is, is my problem for being a leader. I'm a people pleaser as well. And I don't like to hurt anyone's feelings right. sometimes or step to over any boundaries when it comes to managerial processes. Mm -hmm. But I've realized that the more I do it, the more confident I become in it exactly. and the easier it becomes, mm -hmm. right? Was there ever a point in your leadership scenario where you had to get in, dig into a band member, or maybe you lost a band member because he just wasn't pulling his weight, or did you ever have to deal with situations Yeah, we changed like members. We lost a bass player like three years ago, which Chris was a, one of the founding members. It was a three-piece originally, me, Joey, and Chris. Okay. And, I th you know, probably a lot of the friction that we had with Chris was because he was really just trying to further the band at right. that time. Maybe he wasn't going about it the right way. And, you know, he was trying to manage us in a, in a negative way. Sure. And we were taking that, and we are just like, no, we don't, you know, we're not feeling this. I don't know what you're... Right. So it was, it was a very weird time 
that was like probably the first time I knew that I needed to stop drinking because that happened, and that's all I relied on was going out and partying. Right. And I wasn't trying to, you know, I wasn't trying to fix the problem of my band falling apart. I was trying to roll, you know, just roll with the flow and not really care. So that was a. So it takes uh, it takes that part of leadering you to decide. Okay, I got to cut this off to be able to take care of my team, my mm-hmm. my guys. Mm-hmm. I got to look after and lead right now. So, what do you find are the good aspects of a leader? And did you learn that from someone else? Did someone else teach you how to lead, or have you? Is it been a trial by fire? It's definitely been mainly trial by fire. I think the culinary world and the kitchens and all that hierarchy kind of. Growing up in that environment has definitely helped me in leading just because I got to, I was trained, you know, by people that were better than me and then I moved up and then trained people. So that's, I try to think like that in the kitchen sense and lead by example is really what I, because I'm not a confrontational person. I don't like to yell at people. I got to kind of lead by example is how I end up doing. But that's something I'm still working on for sure. Definitely. Are there any other weaknesses that you have in your leadership skills that you'd like to be able to learn and improve on? I think with our schedule and touring schedule and how many thousands of things we need to do on a weekly basis, one thing I need to do is stay on top of, like, you know, Tuesday we have this meeting and this is what we're supposed to do on this meeting. That needs to be done, and I need to stay on top of that kind okay. of stuff. Okay. I'll easily just be like, nah, I mean, we'll, we'll be all right to go by this week right. without it. You know, we had a long week last week. Sure. And then that task just gets blown over, and it's not done properly. Sure. That is, uh, I do that all the time with creating space as well. Mm-hmm. And, and man, it's so easy to just feel like you don't need to be punctual or you don't need to take it seriously. And mm-hmm. then all of a sudden you'll allow yourself to get into that habit. Let's get into some fun questions, man. And I'll hit you with a few good ones as we round out the story. I want to know some things like, tell me your favorite place to perform. Favorite place to perform, man, there's different ways in that. Cause like the Visualite Theater in Charlotte is probably one of my favorite places to perform just cause the comfort of it. Right. People that work there, the stage. It's just, I don't know, I just feel really comfortable there. It's a, like the home okay. place to be, you know, the Visualite Theater here in Charlotte. There's this place we've been playing in Hilton Head that's literally right on the beach. Whoa. It's insane. Like, well, it's the stage. The dance floor is sand. So it's on the beach. And then there's a bar and then a railing and then sand and then water. So That's awesome. It's not like it's a crazy huge crowd all the time. Yeah. I mean, we always meet a lot of people and it's fun, but... Right. It's pretty cool just to hang out on the beach and get paid and yeah. do what you love. Absolutely, man. I, um, I, I, I can't imagine playing out in front of that setting. It's fun. Tell me this. What's the one thing you do every day that helps you be better? Mm, do I actually do it every day, though? <laughs> I try to do this little, it's like this scale thing that I've been trying to work on. Because I actually hurt my pinky playing flag football okay. <laughs> like six months ago, which is right. sad. But it's actually hurt my pinky, like, and it limits me. So I'm trying to like stretch it back out over time. So that's one thing I'm trying to do every day right now. Is this? It's like a little. So for you listeners exercise. who can't, you, you can't see it right now. He's, he's strumming his hand like he's got a guitar mm-hmm. in his hand, right? And so that's what yeah, scale is. It's like is. a little pattern that you do with yeah. your, your fingers to try to work it out. And so that's basically push-ups for your yeah, for your well, guitar push-ups hand. for my hand <laughs> and so every day you got to make sure that's finally tuned and you're feeling good mm-hmm. how about this what gets you hyped before you go out on stage stretching really stretching hardcore i wish i could answer this these questions with yoga because that's what i want to do yeah every day and i do not and i'm like kind of beat myself over that because i've always wanted to do this for years now Yoga's awesome man. but so i mean before a show like 30 minutes before 
you know, stage time. I think all of us in the band kind of do it. We just hang around and just start like really stretching deep stretches right. as hard as you can. I do at least. That gets it's you really into the good. flow, into the zone. It gets in your you head. in the zone, the mindset. You get your, you know, blood flowing, oxygen's everywhere. You just right. feel because you have to do something before you walk on stage. You sure. can't really just like be talking out in the crowd and then just like walk up on stage. Yeah, you can. I did it for a, a long time, and it was. It's not right the right way to do it. You're not going to get that. You know, I don't know. You're not going to get that stage presence that I'm trying to go for. So I'm trying to just get in the mindset backstage and do some stretches and maybe listen to some podcasts or listen to some songs, whatever you need to do to get sure. in there. I couldn't imagine going into a 90-minute game without a warm-up. Yeah. I couldn't imagine just stepping out on the field and, and I do those to play. exercises too yeah. with the guitar. And as we round this out, Cam, what a story, man. What an inspirational story. So Creating Space is the name. And Creating Space to me is being able to walk away from the game that I played for so long and felt I needed to be able to be me. And I realized that, man, there's so much more to this guy than this ball and this jersey and these cities. Man, let's see what else I can do. Creating space to me is that. Now it's creating a space for having people on the show that are positive, that have been through adversity, and then can help give pieces of their story to other people to be able to positively advance other people's lives. Mm -hmm. What is creating space to you in your story? I think creating space to me in my story, it's so weird because... Like, I love culinary arts so much that I still cook, like, all the time, every yeah. day. So I'm, I think I'm still working on creating a space where I could do both of these things as uh, occupation or a passion or whatever and have them both fully thriving in my life. But I also realize that this time in my life, being 26, as younger, I should just plow through this music thing and do it and go for it. Now is the time. Now is the time to create my space in this music world. Right. For sure. But I think... Ultimately, I want to later in life somehow bring the culinary back into it. Love that. Um, whether it's owning a restaurant or you know just working on menus or catering or. So as you're creating space in the video, music, yeah, YouTube channel that would be dope. Somehow music spice. is connected. You're playing some music before whatever, mm-hmm. kind of like what we did in the live session. Mm-hmm. Last question for you, because I always love for the individuals who come onto this show to affirm their goal and their their dreams. As you create space now, and you can see your face change when you talked about pushing, making my legacy in this, our legacy in this music space. Tell me what that looks like to you. Where are you headed? Where's your band going? And what legacy would you like to leave on this planet as of good nature? Of good nature, like, I don't know, if someone finds, you know, no one, like if someone hasn't heard our band ever, and then like 10 years from now they hear us or something, I just want the overall concept to be of good nature. That's what that's what I'm trying to, and I think we're all trying to figure out now is how to really make that name be what it is. Right. You know? Whether it's just the song lyrics and the feelings of the songs or the shows, but I want to get like, I'd really like to get the shows involved with more charitable stuff and like real, just, I don't know, just use this method of getting in front of people and use it to for a positive light. I don't know. I'm, that's what I'm trying to, Figure out ways to do it is the hard part. That's what we're just keeping. I love that. Yesterday on Snapchat and on social media, I declared that I I wanted to get Luke Keekley because I saw that Luke's got a great story, Mm -hmm. but I want to do it with the charitable aspect about it. Right. Mm -hmm. I want to match the amount of minutes that go on the podcast by with a dollar and for every minute it's a dollar. And then we can open it up on the link to, for other followers to be able to donate to, we can choose on a similar topic or we mm-hmm. can do individual topics and 
people can give. Would you be up to maybe yeah, donating right. something to, to charity? For sure. And seeing where that goes, seeing yeah. how that takes off. Maybe we can start with the podcast. Yeah, I like it. Awesome. Well, I wanted, uh, Cam, I, I appreciate your time, man. I appreciate your story, and I appreciate the music, man. That yeah, was, thank you. I think this will be something that I'll always remember as you guys continue to take off and our careers respectively continue to rise. I'll always remember that you played one of the tunes, one of the ones I told you was uh, a big one in my spot, man. So I appreciate the music that you bring, the mindset that you have behind it. I appreciate the the way you've looked inside yourself and taken away some of the demons and been courageous enough to follow your passion and to push away the demons that aren't going in the direction you're going. And I, I appreciate the way you created space in your life for a better version of yourself, man. So awesome. thanks for coming on the show, dude. Yeah, and and I look forward to raising some money for the less fortunate. Yeah, let's keep it going. All right, guys. If you want to find Cameron Brown and you want to find Of Good Nature, where can they find you, Cam? Uh, ofgoodnature.com. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Spotify, iTunes, Google Of Good Nature, you'll find us, upgoodnature.com. And the song you played on the Facebook Live portion. That is, was The One. And that was The One. That's on Life Worth Living, which was an album that debuted at number five on iTunes Reggae Charts. Life Worth Living. Both albums are incredible. Just Add Water, by the way. Yeah, old school. Indieville Reggae Album of the Year in Nashville. Awesome music, awesome guy. Creating Space, we've got so many more podcast just like cams and different in their own light right it's about spreading the message of positivity there's more to come you can find me on google play now we've just gotten on the google play platform you can find us on itunes and you can find us on soundcloud all are at creating space with west knight cam came in he crushed it and we hope to do many more to help you continue to create space for the best version of yourself all right cam appreciate it bro thank you